Welcome to episode 126 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. This is the time of year when your emails and your inbox tend to be all about New Year's resolutions. So rather than sharing another tip about how to keep your resolutions, I thought I would share a list of my five favorite productivity tech tools so you can get your year started in the right direction. I'll have links to all of these tools in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Just look for episode 126. First up is canned responses. Now I'm listing these in alphabetical order, but even if I wasn't, this would be right at the top of the list. Gmail users can use this feature to easily save and insert snippets of text or even entire emails, a huge time saver. Stop cutting and pasting and start using canned responses. Next up is Entro, that's E-N-T-R-O. Making introductions is a great way to add value to your network. Keeping track of who you introduced and whether they actually connected can be a hassle. At its most basic, Entro sends an email to each person a couple of weeks later asking how the introduction went. It has many more features to make introducing people a breeze. On the third on the list is Google Keep. These easy-to-use electronic post-it notes are my go-to for making lists and taking notes. They seamlessly sync between all of my devices and I never have to worry about misplacing notes from a meeting. I can even share notes with my wife for household lists like grocery shopping or gift ideas for our kids. Fourth on the list is Schedule Once. This calendaring tool is easily my number one time saver. I used to dread all the back and forth emails to try and schedule meetings. This was such a drag that I hesitated to offer to meet. Now I have two booking forms that make scheduling a 20 minute chat or up to a two hour meeting a piece of cake. Last in this list of five is yet another Malmerge, otherwise known as YAM. If I had to sum up why my book launch was such a huge success, I would say it was because I sent personalized messages with polite persistence. Malmerge is what made that possible. This Google Drive add-on gets your emails to the recipient's priority inbox instead of buried in one of those other Gmail tabs. Your challenge for this week. Pick one or two of these tools and take it for a test run. I'll have links to all these tools in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Just look for episode 126. Try this out and let me know how it goes. Now, onto this week's show. Today's guest helps executives break through the fears that hold them back from being the best leaders, strategists, business developers, and team members they can be. He knows a thing or two about how to overcome fear based on his first two careers, For 22 years, he served as an FBI special agent and hostage negotiator, and prior to that, he was an ordained minister for six years. In both cases, he had to deal with people under extreme pressure, and he saw how fear affected their ability to think clearly and make good decisions. Building strong relationships has always been at the core of his work, whether it was a high-stakes interrogation, fugitive apprehension, or counseling a family. He teaches what he's learned so others can operate from a place of confidence, flow, and connection. Please join me in welcoming Chip Massey. Hey, Robbie. Good to be here. 
Thank you so much for joining me for your office just outside Manhattan. I want to just jump right in. As you know, this is a podcast about leadership and building strong networks. So tell me, Chip, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Yeah. So I would say, and I'm not sure exactly how I'm in the the, the main line of thinking on this, but as I was thinking about this question, Robbie, I, I got it down to this, is that leadership to me is stating, this is where I am right now. And I'm pointing in a direction. And this is where I'm headed. And if you want to be a part of that, if you want, if you see that the same kind of commonalities and the, and the same drive and you have the, the same ideas of what you want your life to be like, follow. Let's go. Let's do this together. So that's how I, I define leadership right now where I am. So it's sort of, um, it's a stake in the ground, clear statement, out loud, an invitation to join. And, and it's like the person who's the leader has a very cl- clear sense of themselves and the direction they're headed. And they, they'd love people to join them, but it's more of an invitation. Is that what I'm getting? That is exactly it. Well yeah, yeah. said. Yeah. So what was your experience to that? Is, is, this, is this what you saw in the work you were doing? Is it what, who you aspired to be in the work you were doing? You know, it, this kind of formed up in when I was a minister. Uh, in the fr- my first career, I was a United Methodist minister for six years. And I had no clue what that would involve really, except from, you know, the, the typical things that, you know, you're going to show up on Sunday for sure. You're going to do something then. Um, and you're going to help people. You're going to counsel. But it was leadership and, and what we, what they called it at, at seminary, Rob, was, was servant leadership. And that made all the sense in that context, right? It was, you are a servant of the people you're, you know, you're appointed to. And it's your job to be there for them night and day, whenever the need arose. And you were to demonstrate the, the, the path that was, was God's intent for them, that you were leading them in the direction of their lives that, that, that for them could have been, hey, can you help me out of my current despair? Um, I don't know what to do in, in my marriage. I, um, I, I'm struggling with the, 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 the death of, of my wife, leading them through those valleys and being of support to them. That's, that's when I guess it started to form up in my mind about what it was to be a, a leader. And when you made the shift from that environment to work in the FBI, was there a culture shock then? Or did you actually see once you were within that culture that there's a lot of overlap in the value? Yeah. Um, yes, to both those. Um, <laughs> I, I would say culture shock in the sense of this, that, um, you know, it was, um, the story is, is that uh, the, my last Sunday preaching, that afternoon I reported to Quantico. So I just, I went from, you know, two different worlds, if you would, in one day. And what I immediately noticed in the first two weeks was that all of a sudden, the people I was around, Robbie, no longer had any problems. It was like 
it was like I had been transported somewhere else. And, you know, because I was used to, no matter where you went in my town as the minister, people knew who you were. And they'd go up to you and they'd say, hey, how's it going? And, you know, hey, I'm dealing with this, that. Hey, can you help us out with this, that? Um, do you have, do you have like a, an hour to talk to me? And, you know, it was just like all the time. Constant. Right. And when I, you know, when I joined uh, that, you know, when I came out of the ministry, that was gone. And it wasn't that these people no longer had problems. It's just that I wasn't the guy they were talking to about it. So it was, that was a, something of a, of a shift. Um, yeah. I, it, it, but it felt strange. I got to tell you, it felt strange for the first couple months. You know, that kind of experience of not knowing people at that level. Mm-hmm. So um, what, what was the drive that, that made you switch careers in that way? Is there like a quick like reframe that helped you see that that was the best way for you to serve? Yeah, it, um, it became for me, Robbie, was that I, I still had within me a desire to do something different. And while I just love the fact that I got to help somebody every day in the ministry, and you do, right? And everybody has an opportunity to help somebody every day. I'm not saying that, that it, but it, it's different. Because, like I said before, people know, hey, that's the guy that is going to help me because he's supposed to. And they knew, regardless, that, that, was, my, that was my job. That was my calling. So, so I saw the, the, the change for me was that it just was that, I, while I love that, I, I still needed something different. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't, I couldn't shake it. I tried. Um, and he, I just, you know, said I, I had this interest, you know, in law enforcement and, um, you know, my, my major, my undergrad in college was criminal justice. So it was always kind of there. So I just, you know, I looked into it. I thought, you know, one of the big influences on me was a movie was, um, Mississippi burning. I don't know if you've, you're, you're way younger, uh, than I am, but that was a big movie for me. It was, um, William Defoe and, um, Gene Hackman, and they went in uh, and they took down the Klan, essentially. And uh, it was the FBI. And I thought, well, this is really cool. Yeah. You know, you've got this government entity that is devoted to this evil force. And it's, you know, regardless of the politics, regardless of how long it was going to take, they were there to take it down. And I love that. Mm. So I, you know, that's when I, I studied and I talked to some uh, former agents and it seemed like the thing to do for me. So part of the reason I wanted to have you on is because when, when you and I are talking about the work you're doing, and I sort of mentioned this in the uh, introduction, relationship building and, and, and strong connections have been such a, a critical, I mean, like life, life critical at certain points, parts of your job to help people sort of see their way through, whether it was that family in crisis when you were doing ministry or in a hostage situation or in some sort of interrogation or negotiation, like it's the humanity of people that you you never lost sight of. And you were talking a little bit about how uh, in your line of work, part of your role was see people who not vilify them, not you know have a caricature of who they are, but when a person, even the person who's like you know in in the middle of a crime moment, <laughs> you're still like seeing them, and that's that's 
that your 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 background kind of almost helped you see their humanities. Could you say a little bit about how you were able to apply? I mean, it's so interesting to take almost like a transferable skill and lay it, overlay it onto this new experience you were having in hostage negotiations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, not many people get that, Robbie. You have a, uh, you know, I have, I have a strong sense of connection to this. That's exactly how it was for me was, um, but yeah, my, my, uh, my regular job was a, a special agent in the Bureau. So, you know, I was investigating crimes. I did a, a lot of violations. I did espionage. I did fugitive work. I've, I've done um, uh, beyond that public corruption and uh, drug investigations. But if, you know, it, it comes down to connecting with people, the, the, Bread and butter of an agent's work is your ability to get information from somebody. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, and that, and that by the way, is, is a, um, an evaluation point at Quantico. As you're going through, you are giving scenarios on developing people and getting information from them. And you are, uh, you know, you've got people following you with, uh, with clipboards. They're watching you there. You know, they hire role players to interact with you to ensure that you are, you know, connect, that you can connect with people. And so they're, they've got video monitors. On. I mean, it is, it's elaborate. And if you can't cut the mustard there, you know, if, in other words, if you are uh, somebody that just can't connect to somebody, you're gone. And so that really was for me, the easiest part of the job. Because of my ministry background, I was I was already able to you know break through much of the um, typical stereotypes that people would hold of law enforcement, and so when what I found in Haas's negotiations, Robbie was this was a perfect setting for me. Uh, you know, it it contained everything that I really enjoyed. It was. I had to connect with people. I had to deal with people in a crisis. Um, I had to figure out, you know, you had to think fast on your feet as to, you know, what was the best, you know, resolve of this situation and how can you bring that about? And it was working with a team as well. That was the one thing I didn't have in the ministry as a, as the pastor. Yeah. It was just me, you know, it was like, what you going to do, man. Uh, (laughs) But as the, as an, as an agent, when you're a hostage negotiator, you've got a team with you you know, in best case scenario, that is. So, you know, if we had to respond to something, the team would form up, we'd, we'd report out and everybody had a role uh, to play in, in that negotiation. So you had a negotiator, you had somebody that was the coach that sat right next to you that would um, pass you notes. You had somebody worked on Intel board that was keeping track of what the hostage taker was saying and certain facets of their life that might be important. You had a team leader to make sure the the group was working well together. If they needed anything, you had also an investigator on the side that would run and get you information as well if, if it was needed from the team leader. So in that, in that context, it was a perfect match for me. And so I went and um, applied and, you know, I got to the first stage of, of being um, on the auxiliary team for the New York field office. And then I got selected to go to Quantico for their certification course for two weeks. So, um, which was intense. Um, I thought, Robbie, I thought, I got this, right? I mean, I was a minister, you know, I'm built for this uh, crisis negotiation. Bring it on. 
Oh, 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 was I humbled? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think I was going to graduate, to be honest with you. I mean, they beat me up so badly. I beat up in the sense of, you know, um, you're not getting this, you're doing it wrong. And I'm, and I'm being nice, obviously, how, how it, was, uh, it was given to me. Um, so uh, very intense, but it was one of the, some of the best training I've ever had since you know, graduating from Quantico was the hostage negotiation course. And, so, and you were there for 22 years. Right. Um, and you're now moving to an entirely new space. And right. um, I love this line that I, I read um, about in, in your intro. It's about you're helping people break through the fears yeah. that help that helps hold them back. And I, I'm kind of curious about this um, because I know that when I you know, was been grappling with sort of like, what is it that I'm offering people? I mean, like on, a, on the face of it, I, I teach networking, but it's, there, I had to dig deeper. And I finally sort of came across the idea of a relationship-based business strategies. And I'm curious how you unpacked what it was you offered to get to the part where you realize that what you can help people do is break through their fear so that they ultimately make better decisions. Yeah. How did you realize that that was your offer for like general public? Yeah, you know, that took a little bit of time because I was, you know, knowing that it, you know, my my offering involved connection and it involved building relationships and involved building helping, you know, leaders build trust and and de-escalate tense situations. And when I thought about the the actual one-on-one connection that I had to have when I was um, trying to call in a fugitive uh, that was on a telephone, or I was dealing with the the mother of a kidnapped uh, daughter, and I had to coach her to talk to the kidnappers. And it was, I was helping people with their fear. And, you know, what we all like to say is, you know, we're not afraid. You know, we're adults. We don't, you know, unless it's a really big thing and hairy and, and terrifying in the dark of the night, we're not scared. We are. And that's, and that's the, the lie we tell ourselves, we tell others, is that we walk around and we say we're not afraid of things, and we're afraid. And we, it's like, um, I liken it to uh, Bruce Banner in The Hulk, and how he, you know, they, it, one scene in the Avengers movie, they say, um, you know, now would be a good time to get angry, Bruce. And he said, that's my secret. I'm always angry. He changes <laughs> into The Hulk, right? Um, and really, that's our secret is that we're always afraid. It's always like a low level, like a pilot light burning, but it's always there. And it's the degree that we allow it to control ourselves that it becomes a problem. Like Seth Godin, who I know you've interviewed, um, talks about the lizard brain and how massively effect that, that has on our lives if we allow it. And that's what I had to help people do when I was both a minister and as a hostage negotiator was I had to help them control that lizard brain because if it was a, let's say I was talking to a fugitive and I I was trying to talk him to come in, I had to deal with his fear. His fear was I come in, I'm going to prison. All bad things are going to happen to me. You know, there's some reality there. Yeah. You're going to go to prison. So I had to deal with all those things, but I had to show him was that, the fear that you're struggling with now is nothing compared to the fear if you stay out there mm. and you continue. Because living your life like that, 
looking over your shoulder every day, not knowing where you're going to lay your head at night and who to trust. You'll never be able to talk to your relatives again if you're going to be successful at this. So, so it was, it was helping people deal with that fear. And I know, you know, when I, when I talk to other leaders about this, it is precisely helping them deal with fears of, well, what if nobody trusts me as, as the COO? Or what if the, I'm not going to be a, a good leader as the one that came before me? And how do I convince and inspire my group? I, who am I? Fear. This is so interesting because I imagine that uh, just like a fugitive is very lonely in that moment and you're reaching out to them and trying to bring them back in, that executives, there's a, there's a point in your career when you reach like a pinnacle and you don't have people around you in the same way you do when you're deeper in the trenches. Um, and, and it's also hard to admit that you're afraid, afraid uncertain, um, you know, lack focus, don't know, don't know the next move. Like to, to, to show any kind of hesitation in that moment, it, for a lot of people, like that, the fear of being seen as all those things, uncertain, lacking direction and all that could really be enough to throw them over. Um, and then, like you said, like they're going to make poor choices, poor decisions if they stay there. So I, I see how you were able to line up your, your calling to another audience that could really hear that message. What is, what is most rewarding, Chip, about the work that you're doing today? I think, Robbie, is, is that when I give people this skill set, that I show them because it, it is a perfect uh, conduit for, for learning how to handle stress, anxiety, and fear. When, when I teach the, the fundamentals of, of Haas's negotiation, because it's, it, it, and, and you know the skill set, it's active listening, it's, it's employing empathy, it's, it's all about you know, listening intently to the person labeling emotions this is a it's a powerful skill set and when you bring in like i said empathy and you put join those two things together it truly is a superpower and i i, I make sure i tell you know whoever i'm working with whether it's a a, a group or it's one-on-one i say to them it you know because i feel a sense of responsibility that i have to be i have to have a, a level of confidence that they're decent people and they're they're kind of, they're really going to use this for good and not for evil, right? Um, because I've I've encountered that person too. I've encountered the person that just wanted to take advantage of somebody using these techniques, and I I, I lost mean, it. I mean, it's true. Con men essentially that's what they're doing. That's they, it. Preying that's upon it. people's uh, better instincts, right? Yeah. And so, when 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 you yeah. give people this this skill set, and they. And, you know, one of my things, one of my offerings is a workshop. And I, I actually have a role player that I, I hire and I have them call into the role player and that's the hostage taker. And so I give them the skill set up front. And for the second hour, I say, all right, you know, I break up the team and I give them a scenario and I said, you guys got this and go. So they have to dial in and they have to negotiate and they take turns um, taking on the various roles of it. But you see, you see them employing, you know, the skills, even though they just learned them like, you know, a second ago, you see them do it and you see when, when it works for them and you see when they blow it and they're hitting their heads on the table, like I shouldn't have said that. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> they've got to so, be really happy in that moment that there isn't actually a life in the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. What a, yeah. what a fun uh, on brand way to teach these skills. If you, these are, I mean, there's a lot of people out in the world kind of teaching communication skills. And if you had just said, "I'm a communication strategist" or something like that, like you know, you're just one one of many many people. But you have a very unique background, and you, I could see you're having fun weaving that in uh, and you're probably attracting people who are excited to to talk to someone who has lived this and in, in such a real way in such a high intensity kind of way when when you were little like playground little like you know elementary school and high school did you could you have foreseen i mean i know you were drawn to do criminal justice in college but did you see yourself taking on this kind of leadership w- were there people around you that sort of inspired that in you or saw in you the possibility of doing that or that you thought, I want to be just like that person? Is, is a good question. And I think my, my answer for that is I, I always wanted to help. That was, that was my thing. I always wanted to help people. I knew that. Um, I just didn't know what form that was going to take. I was drawn to, you know, to um, like superhero kind of things, but I think everybody is. Uh, you know, nothing there. There was a show uh, it called Ultraman when I was when I was little. Um, it came on Channel 17 or <laughs> during UHF <laughs> pre pre uh, internet days. But um, <laughs> but at any rate, I was I was always transfixed with the you know the 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 hero and the the person that would that would help the the weaker and be a be a part of of helping them through whatever that struggle. So I, I, I guess maybe I was always kind of geared toward that. Mm-hmm. Did, were you a, or were you a, a person who had great empathy even then or, or the ability to sort of bring people together? Were you a connector? I don't know if I was a connector, but I definitely um, felt people's pain, you know? Um, and that, that's something I, I know that I continue to do. It's, you know, the movie, I see dead people, right? The sixth sense. And I, I see, I see pain and fear. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know if that's if if everybody does that. I think maybe we do to a degree. But but there is a uh, there is something that I know that I've that I've recently or for or for in in the in the in the that is the near future here is that I've I've known I've I've had that I've been cognizant of that I've I'm definitely in tune with you know reading people as quickly as I can. It's not and I'm not always right, but I. But there are certain things that I pick up quickly that I'm not sure everybody else does in that in those particular spheres. I always think as an entrepreneur, one of the most fascinating moments is when we realize that the, the things we do innately, the way you tune into people innately is not something everyone else does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard for us to see that which we do sort of with ease. And naturally, and think, well, doesn't everyone else notice these things? And like, you're kidding, really? <laughs> no one else can. I didn't know that. And then you realize, wait, that's a marketable skill. How could I teach other people to like be observant in these ways and read people? So yeah, I'm sure that you're not, you know, one of everybody. Like you, you know, you're you, and you've been trained, and you've had a lot of experience. You've had, you know, your, your Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand plus hours, um, right? Right. You know, you've just been doing this. So, so what is next for you as you're dreaming this up? And how did you tap your network 
as you're making this shift? I mean, you've obviously developed a long career. Um, you know a lot of people. Was it sort of deep in law enforcement or did you also have connections in sort of other fields? Yeah, I, um, somebody asked me about, you know, when I was talking to them about, you know, I was going to go into um, business for myself and they said, oh, well, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, people in business. I was like, you mean that run businesses and so forth? And, you know, we're, yeah. Yeah. I said, well, if I know people like that, I probably arrested them. So I'm going to say it's not the best connect I have with them. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's a both and Robbie. I, I do know obviously a lot of people in law enforcement. I don't, um, I'm taking a different path than many. Um, uh, most go to work as, you know, at, for banks for compliance, uh, work, or they, they go for, uh, like broader base security for, for banking and investment institutions and so forth. Um, but I'm definitely going uh, a different path. Not, it's not, you know, unheard of. There's, there's others out there that, that are doing this, but, but I'm taking the, the host negotiation, um, template in a different direction and it's and it's in it's in leadership and it's about helping people like you know like you like you said it was working through their fear and i that's how i find is is leadership is that for in this context it's it's being certain that that you may not believe you have the best answer or the you know the 100% right direction to go in and you're not going to have all the, all the facts that you need. That's one of the, the common things I, I, when I run the scenarios is that they have limited information about who that individual is. And for business people, right, Robbie, you'll know is that, is that that drives them crazy because I give them such a limited, you know, scope of, of what that person's, you know, it, you know, is, is going on in their life and that, um, you know, well, who's, who else is like, say it's a bank's robbery scenario gone bad and they've got hostages. Well, well, they, who, uh, who's there in the bank with them? I don't know, but they, they've got hostages. Well, how old is this person? I, I don't know. Is well, where, where are they from? I, I don't, that's up to you to get, right? So they, they try to, to get all this information and they realize that they have to make decisions based upon the information that they get immediately. Yeah. yeah. And it's limited and it, it frustrates them and they're hesitant to act on it. But that's the that's the nature of it, right? It's the nature of of the beast of of dealing in in the business world is that you're not going to have all the information you want, but you got to go with your gut, and you've mm-hmm. got to go with with everything that you've gotten to that point, and just roll with it. Um, and that's to to me that that's what it's it's about. It's about knowing that you don't have everything, but you've got to build that trust. And if you have the trust of that person, and I'm trying to communicate after the actions of going through that role play with them, I break them down and I say, all right, let's take a look. Let's look at the skill set. How does it apply to your business world? And they're like, yeah, it's like you said, it's about trust. Uh And once they got the trust of the person and the person would tell them more information, then they could go further with them and they could eventually, that's it. And you could talk that person you know, to drop the gun perhaps, or you could tell them to take a step away from the ledge of that bridge, or you could tell them, you know, Hey, can you come out of the house? Who's barricaded? If you can do that, you can lead people in an organization. If, if they trust you, 
and, and they believe in you and they know that you're there for them, right, Robbie? They'll do anything for you, but mm-hmm. they first have to trust you and you've got to earn that trust, right? What incredible leadership training. So I'm, I'm curious though, since you didn't have, um, well, let's just say people who ran legitimate businesses as connections. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your first step? I mean, how, this is an interesting shift to, to decide to become an entrepreneur, run your own business. If you weren't already surrounded by people who did that, there's a lot of unknowns and you, you know, you probably are, you're a man of action. So you weren't going to like slowly find your way through this. How did you, how do you make that shift and, and who were you reaching out to? And did you tap your network in some way to, to accomplish that? Well, you know, I, and, and you and I are both connected to Dory Clark and mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, Dory that I reached out to. I, I reached out to Dory on my uh, last week of, of being in the bureau and I, I called her up because I'd been reading her books and I, and I knew that she coached people. And I said, Hey, Dory, um, you know, I told her who I was. I told her what I was. I said, I said, can you help me? <laughs> she said, yes, absolutely. I can help you. Okay. So, so, so this is interesting. Ahead. So you were reading some of her books in preparation for this new world. Right. Um, how did you first find even Dory? How'd you find her books? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd, Robbie. So I was in the library a lot. And I, I spend a lot of my time around books. And um, I found, that's how I found her. I was always interested in the business world. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, when I was, in the, when I was in, the, in the ministry, Robbie, I actually um, called Peter Drucker on the telephone. This is pre-internet days, right? Wow. I, I had his book and um, I, I looked in the back and I saw where he was living. It was, and he was, I read this book on, I, I can't remember the title, but it, it, was, it was when the first concept of Knowledge Worker was coming out, right? And I found that so exciting. You know? And for some reason, I just needed that stimulation. So um, I had to call the guy up. So I, I, I dialed, I saw where he lived in California, roughly, I thought, and from, from the in, you know, book jacket. And I dial up the, what I think is his home phone. And again, pre-internet days, I said, you get an answer, you say, the guy on there goes, hello. I said, Dr. Drucker's, yeah, this is Dr. Drucker. How may I help you? So, and it was like, oh my God, this is Peter Drucker on the phone. So anyway, I just, I, you know, I was always fascinated with. with and you clearly also are willing, even, even pre-internet days to take the to chance. I mean, a lot of people, I can't even think of how many people would read a book and even if it's a fascinating book that made them really think and change something about how they're going to do something, they would never even tweet the author, yeah. <laughs> you know, like forget, reach out to them and try to reach them directly and talk to them. So you, so you already had that, a little bit of that instinct. So, it was, so Dory is a, is a fine person to start with because I now, you and I now know, I now know each other through the Recognize Expert uh, course and right. the Facebook community that she's created a, a, sort of as a companion to the course. Um, and she attracts some phenomenal people. We were just at her mastermind in New York City. Right. Um, so h- how have you been developing relationships going forward? Is, do you have any practices or like habits for how you're staying in touch? I mean, you must be meeting so many new people the last couple of years. Yeah, it's so cool. I, I, I love this life so much. I, I, I am... I, just the the intellectual stimulation alone, and you know, meeting such cool like yourself, meeting such cool people. I, it's both like people that you run into. It's you know through these connections, through uh, through people that uh, like Dory knows that uh, other people in that community know, and it just 
it kind of like builds like that. It's a, you know, it's that snowball to the, to the, to the big snowball kind of thing. It just kind of, you know, I, so I present my workshop to, to various groups. I, I have an ongoing relationship with a business accelerator called NUMA in New York city. And I present to the founders that come in from other countries of, of their companies. And, and I show them what negotiations, you know, how it's practiced and, and take them through that, that scenarios and so forth. And even uh, getting that opportunity is such an interesting, like how you networked your way and, and build those connections to the point where you got that, you know, possibility to, to, I mean, to have the credibility be attached to an accelerated program, not, you know, you're not just flying solo, but you've again, found a way to be part of a team because you know, the value of being part of a team. So you were like, okay, where are the people already going? How do I attach myself to that? Do you host dinners? Like I know Dory's like big on hosting dinners. I'm a fan of that. Or do you um, like, you know, sk- regularly schedule like coffee or reaching out to people, pick up, the, pick up the phone? It is, it is. No, I don't do that. But it is, I, I, that's the thing is that it's kind of hit or miss kind of with me is that if I run into somebody and, and if they have time and, um, you know, Hey, you got, you know, you want to get a coffee, just like you're saying, that's, that's kind of how I do it. It's not organized though. I'm not, you know, you are like the, the master of that. I am, my my thing is just like, you know, throwing darts in the dark. I just, it just kind of, you know, happens. Yeah. So this is, this is where, um, Dory has her three, uh, sort of steps to becoming a recognized expert content, social proof and network. And so, yes, you can, you can be strategic on the networking part. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, so, um, as you're, uh, doing this, you know, is there advice that you would have given yourself when you were, you know, just getting started at 25 years old that, do you think would have helped set you up for a life where you'd have this like wonderfully diverse, you know, deeply connected professional network? Is there something you think you would have done more of then, or were you already doing a pretty good job of it then? And you're like, I would just do more of that. I I, I don't think I did it at all. I I think I think what I would what I would do is I would be more focused on following, and I'm sure everybody tells you this, Robbie is is following the passion that you have. It, it is because if you're doing something that you don't like, if you're, if, if say my 25 year old self, if, if, uh, if, uh, I, I was, I guess I was getting my master's then. So it, it, it's whatever you're doing at the time. It, it's not to think about, Oh, but I know in, you know, so many years I'm, I want, you know, I'm definitely going to be doing this. So in order to do that, I've got to do ABC, but it's not, you and I both know, you know, life's going to take you through different courses and you have no idea where you would have thought I ought to end up here. Who would have thought I would have been a minister? You know, nobody that I knew growing up said, Chip's a minister? That would never have happened. <laughs> and uh, same thing, you know, when I joined the, the FBI, people in, that I knew in the mission, no, no clue, right? It's just weird how life takes you. But if you, if you thoroughly, if you enjoy, and you might not enjoy the job you have, you might not enjoy the career you're in, but if you like the people you're around, like I've always said, if I like, if I have a good boss and I like the people I work with, I'll clean toilets. Mm-hmm. And I meant that sincerely it, because I've had, you know, bad bosses. We've all had, you know, crazy people to work with and it's been, you know, no fun. Mm-hmm. But if you've got that and, you know, that's, that's almost the whole ball game right there, you know? Awesome. So Chip, if we're connecting a year from now, this is, one of my last questions and my favorite in a way, 
Uh, we're connecting a year from now and we are celebrating all of your achievements from the year prior. I want to know, what are we going to be celebrating? What are you looking forward to in the coming year? I think my, my deepest need right now um, is, is I, I want to connect with people in a way that, that helps them not only in their business, but also in their life. And because I think, you know, anymore, it's, it's, we can no longer bifurcate our worlds. It, everything we do is connected. You know, people say, well, my, my work life is separate from my, my home life. My home life is separate from my recreational work. No, I, nonsense. You know, and I, I, I will, I will, I will uh, entertain other viewpoints. Of course, I don't, I don't own the being right on this, but, but I know what works for me and for many other people. And the truth of the matter is, our worlds are calling us now to to be at work all the time. We're always connected. We're always tethered to something, whether it's a phone or it's emails. We're connected there, so we better have a, have it figured out to a way where where we can connect to people that we're working with, that we're engaged with, to not only talk about business but to engage in in their lives. And that's and that's what I would like my 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 framework going forward to be able to do. If, if you were to ask me in about a year from now, it would be like, yeah, you know, we, you know, we connected on this, on this project. And we also, you know, talked about, you know, the meaning of life and what, you know, ways of, of improving what was going on in, in their home and, and things like that. And talked about their kids, all those things. That's what, that's what brings richness to life. Mm. And if you separate that out, you're only living it halfway. Well, it sounds like your ministry is still having st- such a strong influence 30 years later, yeah. the way you're thinking about like a whole person, all of them, you know, not, not in this like, yeah, not in this bifurcated kind of way, but mm. all of them and, and how can they show up and you can serve all of their needs, which will help them, you know, move forward and have the, the life they, they want to lead. Um, so is that going to look like more programs, book, like what's your, what's your big dream, Chip? Well, I I do want to get a a, a book out there in, yeah. in the not too distant future. I want you to have a book out there. That's <laughs> okay. why I'm putting it out there for you. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and yeah, I I just I definitely want to, you know, you see you see the need, you know, just like you do when when you're seeing when you're talking to people. And I saw at the at the conference when you were talking, people lit up and they were like they had these moments of recognition, like, oh gosh, I need that. And I knew that. I see that. And they were, you know, glamming onto you during the breaks. It's the same kind of thing is that I, I see in people this, you know, things that I could help with. And that's what I desperately want to do. You know, I just want to connect and help and move them forward. If, and, and I know if I do that, I'm going to be helped. They, they've got things that they can help me with and connections mm-hmm. and um, ways of thinking and development. So that's, 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 what the, that's what it's all about. That really is. So, Chip, how can people find you and follow your work? Right. So, uh, I have my, the name of the business is Plowshare Communications, but it's chipmassey.com. It's, uh, that will take you to my website. Um, I have there is, you know, a little bit about the work I do and the services I offer. And I'm also on, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, and, and so forth. But, you know, absolutely Great. send me an email. 
Yeah. Well, we are going to have all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Chip, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful conversation. It's been a pleasure, Robbie. I really appreciate the uh, chance to be on your show. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chip. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 126. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. Earlier, I shared five of my favorite productivity tech tools. Do you have a favorite that I didn't include? Reach out and let me know what it is. If you enjoyed this episode with Chip, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.